0: One. What the hell in, in the higher ed. How's it going? Great. Thanks. Great. Yeah. Me
1: too. I hope you all are having a fantastic Tuesday evening. Um, it is near Thanksgiving or a day of mourning, however you choose to celebrate this week. Um, and we are quite frankly done with this week as graduate students. It's been a little rough, if we do say so ourselves. But I think first things first is we should introduce ourselves as we get started in What the Hell in Higher Ed, our debut episode of this podcast. Um, my name is Leah Berger. I use personal gender pronouns, she, her, and hers. I'm a second year graduate student in a student affairs administration program at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. My assistantship is in residence life. I act as the assistant hall director for Coat Hall, a all-freshman residence hall and I'm taking it over
0: to Amber. Hi, my name is Amber Schneider. I use personal gender pronouns she, her, hers. I am also a current second-year student in the Student Affairs Administration on-campus program here at UWL and my current graduate assistantship is in COVE programming um, which is our leadership involvement and service office here on campus. Nice,
1: nice. So, me and Amber are very excited to bring this podcast to you all. Um, yeah. Us being, we, yes, we, <laughs> we are. We, are. we, we very are. much so are. <laughs> um, us being graduate students, second year, well, final year, um, navigating a lot of st- Duff, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) applause, (laughs) navigating a lot of stuff and um, wanting to create projects that we feel really passionate about and really fortunate that our advising and supporting um, class and our professor for that class um, introduced the opportunity for us to create a podcast based off of what we have learned in class related to advising and supporting. So the topic we have chosen to talk about today is mental health concerns and mental illness, specifically among the population on college campuses that is of student leaders. Um, Amber was the one that originally came up with this idea. So I'm going to let her kind of explain what she envisioned for this podcast and what she envisioned for this topic specifically, because it is very fascinating.
0: Yeah, so um, I first... First, you got interested in this uh, in the format of creating a podcast project because it's so relevant to college students. Um, a lot of my friends are listening to podcasts um, as a form of gathering information, and I thought it would only be right um, to try to create some sort of um, project uh, that's relatable um, and appropriate for uh, college-age students um, so that they listen to it and hopefully gain some sort of um, resource from and so we specifically decided to focus on mental health concerns in college students um, because of an, uh, an experience that I had last year with my graduate assistantship. Um, it was my first time ever being a supervisor and I um, worked with one student who was um, kind of coming to terms and um, for the first time talking about their mental health and um, how that was affecting their work and their lifestyle. And so as a supervisor, it was my responsibility to have that conversation because um, ultimately the mental health of that student was affecting their professionalism and their work. And so. as a young student affairs professional and a first-time supervisor, I didn't feel completely adequate or supported, mm. um, and and I didn't feel like I had enough information on, on how to um, adequately support this student, really. Yeah. And so, um, in hopes that we can provide resources and ideas for current student affairs professionals um, in order to better support their students dealing with uh, mental health concerns, specifically student leaders, um, this, this podcast um, kind of uh, was the that was the genesis behind this podcast that's awesome I think it's definitely a topic that we need
1: to explore more in student affairs- particularly you know, the student leaders aspect, considering, like you said, you didn't feel like you had the appropriate tools to handle that situation, and we're not often taught on how we should handle um, situations which our student leaders are coming up to us with their mental health concerns. So um, before we go right into it, I think one thing we want to clarify first is what a college student is, a college student leader is defined as, and we will start that up after this small little interlude, and we'll introduce that definition and continue on with our discussion welcome back to what the hell in, in higher, higher ed. ed I love doing that in unison every time but <laughs> don't you it sounds great it sounds great we are professionals as you all can tell um, but let's get back to the realness of this discussion so we left off our last small little segment explaining to you the backstory of why we want to do this podcast, who we are as student affairs graduate students, and ending with um, a little preview of the definition of a college student leader. So
0: I'm going to hand it over to Amber to kind of define what is today's college student leader. Sure, thanks Leah. Um, So for our listeners, we just wanted to go ahead and make sure we're all on the same page here. Um, For the entirety of our podcast we're going to go ahead and um, follow this definition and it's going to lead us into our conversation about student leaders Um, this is a definition uh, uh, by Laura Michelle Gordon and she defines student leaders as college students who are engaged in more extracurricular opportunities and activities than the average student and may have additional responsibilities that involve serving another group of students now, as we use this definition, um, Leah and I just wanted to go ahead and um, remind all of our listeners that we recognize that there are different types of leadership, mm-hmm. um, and those uh, all too often that are non-traditional types of leadership, such as um, having a having a job or having being a leader within your family. Um, yes. Ones that are um, are usually not recognized by institutions of higher education, um, and and those are just as valuable. However, today we are going to follow along with Laura's definition. Um, And a few examples of of uh, student leaders um, that would fall under Laura's definition of a student leader could be um, a resident assistant within a residence hall, a member of the student government, um, a student club officer, or any other any other student with some sort of leadership position. Nice. Um, I think it's important that we mentioned
1: specifically that non-traditional aspect, like reiterating the fact that we know that this is definitely a very traditional cut and dry definition that we are using, but it's the most broad that we can use within this podcast. So I'm glad, Amber, that you clarified that. I think that was an important point to make. Um, We understand, too, that with student leaders and RAs, particularly, which is a form of student leaders, um, they're expected to—they're expected to participate in these positions where they are helping students who may be dealing with mental health concerns themselves. They are acting as the catalyst. To the next resource, whether that be a hall director, an assistant hall director, or um, a supervisor within the Pride Center, a supervisor within Cab uh, Student Activities Board's programming, um, that these student leaders act as this catalyst. Yet, they have a lot of high expectations themselves, and they are at a greater risk of developing serious mental health concerns. Um, So that is something that we really wanted to hone in on, and we want to make sure that RAs and college student leaders in general take practical steps to reduce their stress um, in order to promote more positive mental health outcomes, but it's difficult because We aren't often taught how to supervise students who um, are our leaders that may be dealing with mental health concerns themselves. So we have some statistics for you that we wanna um, read off that we think are very important for you to understand so you can realize the gravity of the situation. Um, The first one is from the American College Counseling Association. This is a 2010 statistic. Mental illness in adolescence and young adults has become Increasing in prevalence and severity over the past several years, um, 75% of severe mental health conditions onset by age 24, and one in four young adults between the ages of 18 and 24 has a diagnosable mental illness. Um, the majority of the college age cohort falls into this age range, so that's pretty significant. I think we don't realize just how much the mental health concerns have increased over the years because we are the generation that is living within it. We are. We are the ones that are dealing with this um, at a higher rate than maybe generations previously and we don't often understand the gravity of these statistics. Um, Before um, we go ahead and move on to the next um, part of this podcast, which are factors that may be contributing to mental health concerns for these students, we're going to go ahead with another quick little interlude and then we'll be right back to continue more of our discussion regarding mental health with student leaders on college campuses. Welcome back to What the Hell in In Higher Higher Ed. Ed. I'm always going to dig that, you know, symbiotic thing we got going on. Um, So anyway, we are back with um, our podcast concerning mental health concerns for student leaders. We are going to go straight into factors that we believe are contributing to mental health concerns for this specific population on our college
0: campuses. So just to start off, I do want to recognize that there are probably many more factors, and mm. it all depends on the individual on how um, their, um, their specific Uh, environment will impact them and what's happening in their life uh, might impact their mental health. But a few larger factors um, that Leah and I have recognized um, that may be um, affecting student leader mental health uh, is the fact that they they are carrying a job or or may not be carrying a job, Um, finances of those students, the co-curriculars that they're involved in and how many they're involved in, their academic status, whether it's good, bad, how competitive their program might be, relationships, that can be between a significant other their family, um, the health of that student, or the well-being of their family or friends. Um, And then oppressive systems, um, you know, making sure that we're, uh, you know, being intentional about recognizing whether a student is holding a marginalized identity, um, and many other factors. It's a very complex system, but we just wanted to go ahead and recognize that um, those might be some of the common factors affecting the mental health of our college student leaders.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, Another huge um, factor um, in that is the, the rhetoric that surrounds mental health on college campuses yes. that students attend um, and that could even be for a student who's in an online program um, the, the rhetoric that they do not have or the one that's being supplied in their current environment so you can think about online programs right. so you just mentioned it yeah mm. um, so it's always important to, to recognize the environment uh, that a student is um, the student is currently in um, and I do want to point out one statistic um, from 2009 um, in a study of attitudes about mental health stigma among college students, it was found Um, that college students perceived public stigma far more harshly than self-stigma. So that environment really does matter when it comes to college student uh, mental health and how likely they are to talk about that or feel comfortable getting help. Um, And so Leah is gonna go ahead and lead us into a discussion about some resources that we have here at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse and maybe some some projects that other universities can tap into um, or possibly adapt for their institution. Absolutely.
1: So the first organization that I wanted to talk about was the Active Mind Student Organization. The Active Mind Student Organization identifies their mission as um, they are going to empower students to seek openly about mental health in order to educate others and encourage help-seeking. We are changing the culture on campuses and in the community by providing information, leadership opportunities, and advocacy training to the next generation. Um, Active Mind Student Organization is an incredible organization. In fact, there um, is an individual currently on our campus who is a transfer student from the University of Wisconsin-River Falls, who is the president of um, the Active Mind Student Organization here on campus. Her name is Haley Ingersoll. Um, Haley Ingersoll also adapted from University of Wisconsin-River Falls a movement called the Green Bandana Movement. Um, Essentially, different um, campus resources are handing out these grand bandanas for free, and they are used as a sign of solidarity for those who are struggling with anxiety and depression. Um, so Haley brought that over from University of Wisconsin-River Falls in order to, you know, help get rid of this stigma and get rid of this this attitude that mental health and anxiety and depression are things that shouldn't be talked about. Um, I'm, I feel like, I think that I can confidently say that at least here on this college campus, I feel like talking about depression and anxiety is a lot more common and a lot more broadly accepted than I felt like it was in my undergrad, even though that wasn't that many years ago. I mean, it was a freshman five years ago, but um, I think it's fascinating to see how we have, how far it seems we have come when it comes to talking about depression, anxiety, especially since we cannot ignore how prevalent it is today. So before we go on to our next um, segment, we'll wanna talk about a little bit about what, our next segment will be talking about more of what we can do as student affairs um, administration professionals to better advise and support students with mental health concerns. Um, like Amber said at the beginning in her particular experience, not feeling like she had the appropriate tools, me not knowing if I have the appropriate tools, if I'm going to be advising uh, future student leaders that have mental health concerns. So we'll start off our next segment after this small little interlude um, regarding how we can better support these students. Welcome back to What the Hell? In, in higher ed. ed. So we are back with our segment surrounding um, mental health concerns and issues surrounding the student population of student leaders on college campuses. Um, we are going now into in what ways we as student affairs professionals can better advise and support our students um, with mental health concerns. So a couple things we uh, came up with is specifically is building building strong relationships with campus partners. I think a lot of times um, Student, um, student-focused uh, departments on campus, or just departments on campus, and in vet, in, in general. Um, operate in silos and that is not often an effective way in order to better support for our students so particularly here at UW La Crosse I like to believe that our residence life has a very strong relationship with student life Um, student life is meeting with a lot of students quite frequently and in turn residence life is meeting with students that we then refer to student life Um, I wouldn't feel necessarily very confident in referring a student over to a campus partner that I know nothing about so really really honing in on how those campus partners, like those relationships are incredibly beneficial um if you want to better support your students um one thing in particular that we learned recently in class actually from our professor's sister was trauma informed care training um essentially this this kind of training um helps student affairs professionals get into the mindset of any student that comes into our space may have um incurred some sort occurred may have occurred ah may have been involved in some sort of trauma growing up. So this care training is specifically honing in on your facial expressions, your body language, your tone of voice, how you can create a space for that student where they don't feel threatened. Um, Very fascinating way of understanding how we can better support our students, but also I think very effective. Um, Another thing we came up with is practicing self-care ourselves and encouraging our students to practice self-care. I think too often as student affairs professionals, we pride ourselves in being the busiest in the room, um, the most involved, the more things that we are involved in, the busier we are, the more professional we are. Um, I don't know if you've experienced this, Amber, within the classroom, but I find sometimes we get in this mindset of like, how many things can I involve myself in? Mm-hmm. Um, the toxic competitive culture. Exactly. There is. There definitely can be a toxic competitive. That, like she said, a toxic competitive culture. Wow. Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> um, within the classroom and within uh, professionals that are no longer in graduate school, um, it's an attitude that I do not think we should be modeling to our student leaders. It's you're no better or no worse if you are busier than anyone else um, in the space. Amber, you also also mentioned how. You wish you would have learned how to refer a student mainly uh, to counseling, because that's not exactly something that we have
0: training on, or everyone has training on. Mm
1: -hmm. The Um, language,
0: picking up a phone directly, walking a student to the office, all of that was very important. Exactly. Um, And
1: learning how, too, you can find support for yourself through offices like Student Life or uh, through your direct supervisor and meeting with counseling yourself. These are all resources that we often provide for our students, but we don't realize, or that we'd like to provide to our students, but we don't realize how important it is for those resources to be provided for us as well. Mm
0: and Leah it's important to recognize um, how some of these resources can marginalize specific groups of students mm. um, some who might hold um, low ses- ses- uh, socioeconomic statuses um, and might not be able to afford or access um, a counseling center because they have um, they can't afford it or they have to work and so they can't go to a counseling center so you might That's be the best easy. form yeah. of support yeah. yeah so thinking about those things um, and um, thinking about your students identities is really crucial um, especially when they're Already experiencing some sort of um, mental health concern. Um, and it is important to point out that, according to the American College Counseling Association, over 42% of campus counseling centers are funded by mandatory student fees. Yeah. Um, while others, other funding comes from health fees, student life fees, and specific counseling center fees. Uh, that 42% um, is huge. And so um, I just want to go ahead and bring up the fact that right now in the UW system yep. um, in Wisconsin, uh, there's a debate about allocable and non-allocable fees as an, optional, um, uh, as an option for students to choose or um, not to choose to pay for those fees um, attending a school in UW system. So, that could mean cutting a lot of funding for our counseling centers here in the UW system.
1: Yeah, and that gives students, I mean, cutting those fundings could potentially damage a student's experience, which we will talk more about after this break. All right, so welcome back to What the Hell? In, in higher ed. ed. So we left off our last segment talking about um, how the University of Wisconsin system is currently up for debate about allocable and non-allocable fees as optional for students attending schools in the UW system. Um, so this is something that we are a little bit concerned with um, because we believe that a lot of those fees, knowing those that those fees are going into services like counseling centers and psychiatric services. Um, so we know that the Governor Scott Walker proposed this plan um, and he asked that student, that these allocable student fees um, become optional. Um, and his argument is, kind of makes sense, but it's a little, it's a little uh, hinky. If mm-hmm. I do so say, if I yeah. say so myself. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, so Walker argued um, in February 2017 that students should be able to have control over what they do and they do not fund. Um, he was basically saying that um, some students decide to take advantage of certain events, mm-hmm. um, and when they don't, they shouldn't have to pay for them. The same thing with services on campus yeah. and different resources. And I completely understand how that would be you know, a valuable, uh, a, a valid idea um, to bring to the table because- Especially, it's tuition is expensive. Exactly. Yeah, school's expensive. I mean I would like to imagine that his intent was to make um, higher education more accessible and more affordable for specific students. Um, However, I do think this proposal is very problematic, especially as we mentioned talking about our counseling and psychiatric centers on college campuses and being publicly funded by those allocable fees. Yes. Um, You know, uh, the idea that a student might not necessarily know what they're paying for before going to college um, and and basically eliminating their chance to attend that resource or use it at all um, and and defunding it um, or selecting to to not fund it um, and then not being able to use it. And um, really not understanding or being able to comprehend the stressful environment of um, a college campus is something that I didn't have as a high school student and I would have never imagined that I would have used the counseling center. However, I did use it for specific resources. Absolutely, I think like, Ideally, I think this would be a great,
1: this would be a great, um, letting students choose would be great if students were given adequate resources before going to college of what they are spending their money on mm-hmm. but unfortunately in public education today specifically students aren't at the end of their you know high school career being given pamphlets by their counseling set that you know the their school counselor are like oh make sure you check out your counseling centers at all these schools and, and stuff like that like students aren't thinking about that before they go to college necessarily a lot of students mm-hmm. like oh i better make sure that i have a great counseling center on my college campus um because my segregated fees my allocated fees are going to pay for that. You know, mm-hmm. like students don't know that. So I think that it's a little bit idealistic to think that oh, if we just put this proposal out there and if we if we make it happen that students are going to know. Mm-hmm. And that's not their fault. They're not being taught that. And mm-hmm. some students are getting their tuition paid by their parents. Um and so how are we going to make sure that the student, that, that the parents know what resources the student needs when
0: they go to college? I mean, it just kind of, uh, mm-hmm. kind of makes my
1: head hurt when I think about it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I definitely think about more marginalized groups too, um, yep. especially bring up a good point with the parents, like first generation students. Mm-hmm. Um, parents might not know, um, might have not any idea. Yeah, they might not even know that's, that, that their student would need that, mm-hmm. um, or how to utilize it? Yeah, so, absolutely. That brings up a, a really valid, relevant point. Um, especially in terms of our, our student leaders dealing with mental health.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. And those students, like, not just, you know, we want all of our students particularly be, to be able to find the appropriate resources, and then how do we, how do we then expect our student leaders to help students who may not have the option to go to counseling centers because those segregated fees no longer pay for that. Mm -hmm. There's no longer enough funding. So what additional resources are we going to have to provide? What, what What kind of out of the box thinking are we going to have to provide for our student leaders to help you know, students they may be living with or maybe helping with and volunteer opportunities. Um, And then we also have to help our student leaders navigate their mental health concerns. Right. And it just becomes a little bit of a mess. And Mm -hmm. it's a mess that we aren't entirely sure how to figure out. But um, we know we'd love to continue the discussion with you all if you are interested in talking about this more. I know we definitely are. Um, But we thank you for joining for our first episode of What the Hell in In Higher Higher Ed. Ed. And um, we hope to hear more from you all soon about what you thought about this podcast and we appreciate it. I'm Leah Berger. And I'm Amber Schneider. Peace out. Peace